Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah One in particular, I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock uh. Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, coach it in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. All right, and we are live on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTubes. We are back, continuing our. Uh, what are we doing here? I'm I'm so lost. Yeah, NFC East. We're doing the NFC East, the, the best division, right? The the best division in football, right? So yeah, uh, we got Dennis and Matt back with us still on this beautiful Monday. How you guys doing today? I'm kind of dragging ass today myself. I don't know why. I just I don't have any pep in my step today. I'm just trying to keep my nose above water. Yeah, it's been a it was an okay weekend here, except for it's just been wild uh, weather. We had, we had like record high heat on Friday, then Saturday we had a huge windstorm that took out some trees. Yesterday was back to being hot, and I had to work outside, and then. Overnight tonight, some areas are going to get snow. So I was like, cool. Yeah. I, I, feel, <laughs> I, I was just telling Matt before you jumped on, Dennis, that I'm just like, I'm, I feel done for the day. Like, I just want to go to sleep right now. It's only 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It's just, it's been one of those days. And this eliminator draft we were just talking about is pissing me off. I just, I'm pulling up the round four and five since I'm, I'm picking on the turn at 17 and it's just pissing me off even more seeing all these people go, but Hey, you got Sutton. So I'm happy for you, Matt. At least this is working out for one of us. Cause my team is absolute trash right now. So 
Yeah, I can't remember. I think I've I think I've taken nothing but wide receivers, but then I re- recall the eliminator. You don't actually have to play any running backs, so I thought this is the one draft I haven't actually screwed myself yet. Yeah, I remember throwing my phone this morning when I saw someone reach for Baker. I was really hoping to try and get that Odell Baker connection, and when I saw that, I was like, "What a piece of shit!" I almost said something in the chat, and I was like, "No, no, just hold it wasn't back, me, man." Right. No, it was not you. I don't remember who it was that took you. It was like someone took like their entire block and then took Baker. Oh, that could have been an auto draft pick too. Uh, No, no, we've had two, and one was Ceh, and one was uh, Tony got auto drafted Mark Andrews. I feel like uh, I've I've spent too much time with you because I I may have taken Baker three times now this weekend and even named one of my teams after him and wrote a player profile on it today, maybe to talk myself into not having crapped my teams out. Yeah, you you won't be disappointed, buddy. How I know that is because I'm not getting him anywhere, which means he's going (laughs) to have it. Year. That's that's how you know that it's going to work out for him because I took him everywhere I could last year. Overdraft him, took him like the third round of all the drafts I was in last year. Nothing, bupkis. But this year he's going to go off. Anyways, we're we're talking about the NFC East today. Uh, we're going to kick it off with the Philadelphia Eagles, who won the division last year. Uh, they went in in nine and seven, lost in the playoffs to Seattle. Carson Wentz, I don't remember when, but I know he went down. It was fairly early in that game, wasn't it? Was it like the first or second quarter? It was like, yeah, it was. I think it was like their first drive. Okay, yeah. I remember he went down early, but I couldn't remember exactly when he got hurt. If Wentz is the long-term starter for good in Philadelphia, or is Wentz, I'm sorry, my own questions and I can't read these things right. Do you guys think Wentz is, I guess, the franchise quarterback? Is he the answer for the Philadelphia Eagles moving forward for Philadelphia? And if so, where do you think he consistently ranks moving forward? I'll start with, uh, we'll start with you, Dennis. Yeah, I think he's going to be there for – he's going to get a second contract there. Uh, he's he's a good quarterback. I don't, you know, the injuries, some of it seems a little bit fluky, but he makes plays. Uh, where does he rank? I think right now I'd have to put him at the – you know, somewhere in the 10 to 15 range. But I, I like Wentz. I, I, you know, he's got a good arm. He had shit for receivers last season. Uh, they were waiting on uh, Miles Sanders to kind of come into his own. So it was pretty much the Ertz and Goddard show f- for the most part. Uh, I, I, I'm i happy with Wentz. If I can get Wentz in, in that, you know, right around the 12 or 13 range, if I'm drafting in, in a startup QB 12 or 13, uh, you know, he, he almost is achieving that early career quarterback you wait on that's going to outperform. So, you know, maybe not outperform by a lot, but uh, a little bit. And and when he finally gets it put together, uh, stays healthy for a full season, his receivers stay healthy for a full season. I'm curious what he could have done last year if, if Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey had stayed healthy all year. Yeah, so a couple of things. First, Wentz in that playoff game was one of four for three yards before getting injured, so it had to have been really early in the game. So he didn't really get to uh, play. you know. And I know a lot of people criticize you know, just another year where he went out early. I, I don't think you can forecast when you're going to take a forearm shiver to the back of the he- helmet in a game and get knocked unconscious. So I think it's 
<clears throat> a little rough to blame uh, that on some injury stuff. Uh, second thing, Dennis, you know, you, you might have been prophetic in reverse. He is on his second contract. I oh. just looked it up. I was like, I'm pretty sure he signed an extension last year. He did. He is under contract through 2024. Um, I think it was just an extension. This is the first year where kind of the bigger money uh, kicks in. His cap hit this year is $18.5 million, and the next year jumps up to uh, $34.5 million. So they have definitely made a – uh, pretty substantial investment in him, and he's he's at least there. Kind of his his structure looks a little bit like Aaron Rodgers. You know, if they were trying to release him right now, they'd have seventy eight million in. Uh... <laughs> 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 That's a great comment. Thanks, Phil. Bail hey, Dennis, for- let us know what kind of show is going to be for him in in his bio bar so no one should be surprised (laughs) um but i kind of agree with you i I like him decently as a as a quarterback um you know he's had some some good moments we talked about last year didn't really have a great team around him and yet threw for 4039 yards 27 tds only seven ints um and i you know that's a pretty decent showing both in real life and for fantasy especially considering like he had the corpse of Nelson Aguilar out there. He had Greg Ward, who was a former quarterback who played in the AFL. Um, you know, those were like his top options other than his tight end. So it one of these years, I feel like it, it almost feels a little bit like um, some of what they used to talk about. Matthew Stafford, you saw some flashes early in his career, and he always seemed to kind of get knocked out early. I feel like one of these years, Wentz is going to be able to play a full season and get a shot to do something in the playoffs, which is what he's really not had in any of his seasons. Um, so, you know, I like him. I think Philadelphia, we, we saw what happened when Foles went to Jacksonville. I don't think any of us are, if Foles throws for 4,000 yards and 27 TDs in Chicago, it'll be a miracle. So they probably made the right decision there. Yeah. Not to get too off topic here, but I was on the, uh, the, back row fantasy show friday uh arguing uh, actually about justin herbert and i bring that up because i said <laughs> no way yeah 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 well i made some oh, very dennis did you see what matt back. agreed to it was not good i i, I semi regret my uh, my bet right now uh i'll go ahead and tell everybody but well the reason i brought it up during carson wentz is i feel like carson wentz is herbert's ceiling i feel like he can produce the way Carson Wentz does, I feel like that's a very good comp, especially with their both the, both of their rushing ability as well. Arms very smart. Uh, I think w- uh, Wentz has got a little bit more injury history than Justin Herbert does. Uh, but the bet that I made was I feel Herbert will win a Super Bowl before Tua, and if he doesn't, I will get to myself a Dolphin tramp stamp. So I'm excited about that. Uh, not really. Not haven't told the wife yet. It's going to be an interesting conversation. We do does have. Does she like Dolphins? Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'm not, I do not have a tattoo though. I've, I've kind of always just, I'm terrified of needles. Uh, so I've always thought about getting one, but not made it happen. And I have to say, because it was thrown in my face that that's possibly like the biggest hedge bet of all time. Uh, the fact that because neither one of the teams could win a Super Bowl, I then conceded and said, if neither team wins a Super Bowl, I will still get the dolphin tattoo, even if Herbert or two don't. They both just so- retired. You so mean, hearing 20- you say is you went full Ted Mosby. 
Yeah. So in 20 years, you know, when I'm golly, almost 50, I'll be over 50. I'll be getting myself a nice little dolphin tattoo. You you need to take up drinking and, and heavy drinking quickly. So you have something to blame that on in retrospect. No, I just, I feel like, you know, could be chronic fatigue where it's going to be one of those things where I'm just going to have to tell my wife, I'm like, all right, here you go. Like, I'm just never going to take my shirt off and here's a bunch of money. Do he do what makes you happy? And we're just going to pretend like this never happened kind of thing. Cause you know, and like, Hey, never mind. It's going to sound really bad. If, if I think anything like my wife, yeah. every time think it through. don't make it worse. Every time you go somewhere, she's going to be like, uh, hey, hey, let me show you this. Now let me tell you why he's got that stupid tattoo. Exactly. Well, you know, I was just going to say, look. Where's my dumbass husband? Beauty's only a light switch away, right? You can turn that light switch off. Nobody has to know about that uh, Know about that wonderful tattoo on my back. So I'll be pretty proud of it, I think. I'm going to make sure it's a nice little Miami Dolphins thing. He'll be kicking a football or headbutting a football, something like that. It'll be cool. I'll make it cool, as cool as a Dolphin tramp stamp can be. But anyways, back to the Eagles. So their new additions uh, this offseason, they traded for Marquise Goodwin and Darius Slay. They drafted Jalen Rager in the first round, Jalen Hurts in the second round, John Hightower, wide receiver out of Boise State in the fifth round, and Quez Watkins in the sixth round. I don't remember where Quez Watkins is from. Uh, And their only real losses, fantasy-wise, Howard moved on in free agency to Miami and Aguilar to the Las Vegas Raiders. Fantasy finishes for 2019. Wentz, QB9, with 279.8 points. Miles Sanders, even without starting most of the season, RB14 with 187.1 points. Jordan Howard, RB39 with 106.4. Alshon Jeffrey, wide receiver 59 with 100.7. Didn't miss six games. Uh, he barely played in the other two. He averaged 10.7, so he could have finished right around wide receiver two had he averaged out the rest of that. Aguilar, wide receiver 75 with 74.5 points. Greg Ward, wide receiver 110 with 38.6 points. Zach Ertz, tight end 5 with 172.6. And Dallas Goddard, tight end 10 with 117.7 points. Just one quick uh, question. Jeffrey could have finished as a wide receiver 2, not as wide receiver 2. Oh, I'm, no, I meant like wide receiver. Tw- he would have finished around wide receiver 22 range. I don't, it, you know, I was kind of giving I think you said wide receiver two as oh, a I wide receiver two. He just needed to have a couple of really good games in there. And Quez is from Southern Miss. Thank you, Phil, about that because I completely forgot where he was from. Uh, so Wentz has been kind of up and down throughout his career. Most of that, I think, been due to the injuries and him missing the time that he has. So what are you guys expecting in 2020? I know, Matt, you kind of answered that here just a minute ago. Dennis, what are you expecting out of him in 2020? Out of Wentz? Yes, yeah. I mean, we got committed to Miles Sanders, building around him on the offense with a lot of weapons that they've drafted, obviously. Well, the 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 Eagles, you know, despite losing – 103-year-old Jason Peters, they still have a pretty solid offensive line. You know, Wentz is a little bit Roethlisberger-in, like a little bit like Ben Roethlisberger, in that he's big and he can take a hit. Uh, He he tends to have his injuries when he runs. So I I think, you know, Wentz is going to have a a good year. They, They added, the players they added, uh, were to fortify the passing game. You know, Miles Sanders is the running back there, though I, I do expect 
uh, other backs to to get some play there. You know, they brought back Clement. Oh, I forget who the hell else they've got. Boston Scott. Boston Scott. You know, he seems to be the he seems to be everybody's darling now. Uh, but but Sanders will be the primary back there uh, unless he gets hurt. The two tight ends are still going to produce, and the way it looks like they've structured their uh, wide receiver core is to bring in people that do things similar uh, in stacks. So I I feel like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is the guy that's going to take over for Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, Whether Jeffrey gets hurt or whether he just gets surpassed, you know, he's the big, he's the classic X guy out there, not super fast, but he's he's the strong guy. You've got Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson and... Hightower and Quez Watkins are very similar to him in the fact that they're fast and not really big, powerful guys. They're both under 190 pounds, about six foot. You know, Jackson is 5'10", 175. I I saw on Rotor World today that uh, somebody blurbed that they expected Jackson was going to lead the wide receiver core this year in uh, uh, Philadelphia. I, I, I think in theory that's great. Uh, but based on the, how uh, frequently Jackson misses time, I don't know that that's going to happen going uh, going into his age 34 season or it's going to be 33 and a half. Um, and then, Matt, uh, you can speak a little more to this on Rager. It looks like they're planning to use him out of the slot, and I think he only played about 270 snaps out of the slot in college. So... If he produces, you know, then that that uh, moves Greg Ward to the backup, and Ward showed that he can produce. So now they've got depth at all three of the wide receiver positions to go along with the tight end. So I expect that Wentz will have a good year. Sorry, muted myself. <laughs> uh, I don't uh, think it matters where uh, where Rager goes. To be honest with you, real quick before uh, Matt answers, I, I think he's going to be he's good enough that he can play in the slot or on the outside. He did play most of his uh, most of his uh, snaps on the in the outside with TCU, uh, but he's run in the slot. I think he's good enough, especially with the speed that he has. He's a guy that if he gets the ball right around the five yard line scrimmage or whatever it is, running through the slot, just a couple dump off passes, he can do a lot of damage with that ball after the catch. Uh, but Matt, what are your thoughts on Wentz? Yeah, I mean, last year we, we talked about the struggles of the Eagles and, and the fact that, uh, you know, he couldn't have at times had worse sets of skill position players, especially at receiver. There were some of those games that were really grim. They literally only had two or three guys, and they weren't like two or three guys you were looking to throw to. And despite that, Carson Wentz last year played 16 games for the second time in his career, threw for a career high in yardage, uh, had a great year with 27 touchdowns. So I think with with better weapons, with hopefully Miles Sanders having a bigger role early on, um, you know, I would see him improving. He finished what you said as QB nine last year. I think he feels like as barring some kind of an injury, uh, a pretty decent shot at being inside the top 10. He's a guy that can run too. I mean, he had 243 yards in the TD rushing last year as well too. Um, You know, I think we expect him to get better, especially, you know, hopefully with, with some better weapons around him. He only had, I think, Jackson and Jeffrey on the field, what, one, maybe two games? 
Yeah, Jackson got hurt, I think, in the first game. He, he was yeah. not out that long. Uh, with Howard going, we've seen that Sanders' stock has really shot upwards. Uh, while I had him above Jacobs last year just because I thought he was the better overall back, do we see him continuing to take a step forward here in 2020? Just to bring up, as you were mentioning, some of the other guys they have, Dennis, they also have um, pre-draft uh, darlings last year, Elijah Holyfield and Michael Warren the third this year. So they, they brought in those guys as well to help fill out that backfield. Not and that they're I think- also flirting with uh- – they're flirting with signing LaShawn McCoy. Oh, good God. Don't do that. Holy uh, keep, they, they keep talking about like a one year. So, you know, I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think he's great. A guy who is a healthy scratch for the Super Bowl for a team that had no running backs. Probably not the guy you're looking for to uh, make a difference. But they keep talking about a one year, like $1.1 million deal. So what do you think about Miles Sanders there, Dennis? I, I like Sanders. I think he's going to probably get 70% of the running back touches. Uh, he's shown that he can catch the ball well. He's got the size to run the ball. You know, Boston Scott is, is you know, a cute story, but I don't think he's anything sustainable. Corey Clement uh, is what he is at this point. He'll flash occasionally, but uh, he, he's not fantasy relevant. And as much as I would like for uh, the old University of Cincinnati Bearcat, Bearcat Michael Warren to uh, step up and be a Philip Lindsay type Cinderella story, I, I don't think we're going to get anything. I think Warren makes the team just uh, because he'll play special teams. Uh, he's a better athlete than Holyfield, so it comes down to how many uh, running backs are they going to keep. I don't. I don't think I, I would be surprised and disappointed if they brought in McCoy because you know he's not a special teams guy, and I don't think he's a locker room guy. When it comes to the locker room, he's no Frank Gore. So, <laughs> you when know. it comes to the field, he's no Frank Gore. <laughs> no, not anymore. So I think Sanders is going to pretty well dominate this. Uh, you know, he may have some games where he's down a little bit. You know, he might get dinged up and miss some time. You know. Scott has shown that in in spurts he can be productive, but I, I certainly don't think Scott can carry the load. And, and Cole, uh, Corey Clement, like I said before, he's he's a nice third running back. He he's he's like that backup quarterback that's not going to lose you games. He's a heady player. He knows the offense. You know he's he's not going to go out and drop passes, but he also isn't going to take a swing pass for seventy yards for a touchdown. Yeah, that's and before of- uh, before before you answer, Matt, because um, I want to ask Dennis, and that way you can answer this as well. Say they do bring in Shady, like Matt was just talking about. Do you think that will affect Sanders anymore? Like, I'd imagine if they bring him and he's going to make the team. That's not going to be something where they bring him in and they cut him before the season starts. So they bring him in, he's going to back up Miles Sanders. There's no way I think he beats out Sanders. Does that affect him anymore? You think, or, or Sanders' value anymore having Shady there? Nah. No. no, I think that affects Boston Scott. That's right. Like, I like Boston Scott okay as like a change of pace, and I think he'll have a little role. We've seen Philly in the past use two or three guys, but I would be shocked if Miles Sanders isn't getting 70, 75% of the work at least and doesn't vault himself up into the top 10. I mean, he was RB14 last year, starting 11 games and really not even kind of coming on and getting a, a big workload till the back end. So, you know, I, I, I don't. 
it's not that I don't think Boston Scott has value the deeper you go in a draft, but if you're drafting him thinking he's competition to Miles Sanders, that that is a real reach. Well, hey, little boxes, it looks like I've come a long way from being comped visually to the singer Meatloaf. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> oh, uh, live comments. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh, well, I agree with what you were just saying there, Matt. That was kind of my argument I was making for Sanders last year. I thought he was so much better than Howard. He should have been getting all the snaps, and we finally saw what he was able to do at the end of the year. It's why I had him so high last year. Well, I I think the distance between Howard and Sanders is a lot narrower than it is between Scott or Clement and Sanders or or McCoy and Sanders. Mm -hmm. Howard's a – he's a a serviceable back. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I just meant like, I mean, you know, because we talked about this last year. I was so high on Sanders. I just I felt like he was the much better back than Howard. He should have been the starter to begin with. And we saw that toward the end of the year, the, how good he could be once he got the ball. I have no doubt they should have used Howard somewhat. I just felt like Sanders should have been the starter to begin with. We saw Alshon Jeffrey earlier in the offseason kind of voice how unhappy he was being in Philadelphia. Do we expect him to be a big factor for the Eagles? And I believe his last year under contract with them. Sure, in the three games he manages to stay on the field. <laughs> Man, All right, well, how can you Alshon, Alshon, you know, when he, he, he can be so good. Even still, man, he can be so good, and you'll see it. And he just is out there, and he just he overpowers the defensive backs. It's it's ah, uh, man. Sometimes you, I'll just watch him, and I'm like, oh, I got it. I've got him on teams right now where I'm going. I think this is the year again. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like he ever kind of has clicked in Philly the way, you know, I thought it was a decent move when he came over from Chicago. I've liked him since, uh, you know, his early days in Chicago. It's always been kind of a frustration to me that he couldn't stay on the field because you see these moments like Dennis is talking about that you're just like, oh, yeah, and he has some of those games. But, you know, I was just looking at, at his career stats. His first season in Philly, he played and started all 16 games got 120 targets and still only turned it into 57 receptions and 789 yards. I think he's a, you know, he's a decent depth piece. Um, You know, the really great thing I've seen in a lot of the startups I'm doing, you can get him like at the end of the draft where people almost forget he exists. I think in our uh, listener league, he was one of my last $1 players just kind of floating out there. And there will be some weeks, uh, you know, when, when you put them out there and, and you're going to get a decent performance, I just don't know what you can count on. And maybe he isn't a great fit, uh, you know, in Philly and with what they want to do. And if he kind of creates some bad vibes in the locker room, he's going to work himself out of the rotation, in my opinion. Yeah, his ADP is ridiculously low. Like when I was when I was pulling up all these stuff and everything, I was kind of surprised to see him going as low as he was. Uh, we are all actually in a best ball draft right now in the Eliminator Challenge, uh, going up against our very own celebrity here, Mister Dennis Bennett. Uh, so, who would you rather have in this uh, format? Would you rather have Rager, who we were just talking about, could be in the slot? We know is going to have a lot of hype around his name being the first round rookie that they drafted this year, or J-Jaw, who was there last year, really disappointing. He was a guy that I know I was high on. I think I had him as like my fifth or sixth wide receiver last year. He just did not do anything, but he's a year in the system coming into a very weird offseason. So who would you rather take this this shot on, 
in a best ball draft, Rager or J-Jaw? I, I'm going to go with Rager. Yeah. I think no Rager the is the, Rager's Rager. the better talent <laughs> regardless. I mean, I mean, J-Jaw had chances. He was one of the few yeah. warm bodies that existed in Philadelphia down the stretch. And we thought, well, you know what? He's going to get it. He's, he's got to get no something. Now option. there ain't nobody he's else. He's got to get it. And still, just, you know, we saw Greg Ward kind of come in and, and take what we thought uh, J-Jaw was going to be at that kind of point in time. I just, until we actually see some inclination that he's vibing with that team, I think it's really hard to, to bet on him. Yeah, I'm hoping he can turn it around this year, especially if he can kind of replace that Alshon Jeffrey role. We've seen, as Dennis pointed out before, we've seen how well he uh, – him and him and Wentz really kind of got along. I think he could really easily replace that role and be good. I, he, he was phenomenal in that role at Stanford. Uh, so, mean, but Greg Ward was a 185 pound quarterback that ran a four six four, and he outplayed JJ Ortega Whiteside. Nelson Aguilar is wide receiver ninety seven in in Las Vegas, and he outplayed JJ Ortega Whiteside. I mean. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I don't know. I think some of it was him just coming out of Stanford. I, I don't think that offense, as everybody talks about when you come over to that team, is very complicated. I don't think they ran that complicated of an offense at Stanford. I'm sure it was a completely different game. You got Wentz going down. He's moved around everywhere with them, expecting me to be Alshon and, and just different other roles. I, I think – I had no doubt he was disappointing last year, but I still think he's got a lot of upside. I'm not going to not gonna bury him just yet. I agree I would take Rager over him. Uh, but I'm not going to bury him just yet because Greg Ward outproduced him last year. I'm not a uh, Artega Whiteside or Corey Davis. Oh, well, Artega Whiteside. Whiteside. Yeah, all day long. He's only you. had one. He's only had one shot. Corey Davis has been on. He's went on his sixth consecutive breakout year. I mean, look. Just so much, how much I would take JJ over him. I'll take JJ where they're drafting Corey Davis as well. Not even just taking like the draft capital in it. Just give me JJ on whatever round they're taking Corey Davis, and that's how much more I believe in JJ over Corey Davis. All right, this has kind of been a running narrative the past couple years. And is it time to sell Ertz and buy Dallas Goddard? It really looked like last year Goddard was making his move forward. As he, as I mentioned earlier, he only finished five spots behind. Zach Ertz, and uh, I mean, it was still close to 50 points behind him in fantasy, but still finishes a top 10 fantasy uh, tight end for repeating fantasy, 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 fantasy multiple times here for fantasy. So is it time to sell Ertz and buy Goddard, or are you keeping Ertz for one more year? What are you guys doing with that tight end situation in Philly? Is it tight end premium, two tight end? It can be whatever you want it to be. Ultimately, if if I have Ertz, I'm going to look to cash in unless I'm contending and I don't have any depth. If I've got a contender, then I'm going to keep rolling him out there. But if I can get Goddard, whether I have Ertz or not, I'm more than happy to go out and get Goddard. Uh, I He's coming on. Uh, what I mean, there was substantial – there was a 50-target difference uh, – Last year, I think that's going to close this year, but I still think, especially with the wide receivers, that uh, if they start to come on like we expect them to, uh, I think Ertz's 135 targets will come down, 
and Goddard's 87 may creep up a little bit, but uh, it's going to end up – they'll be closer, but I, I still – this year, this season, uh, my money's on Ertz. You know, the good news for you, though, Matt, I, I was just looking. Uh, your boy, J-Jaw, did have a slightly better season than Deshaun Jackson last year. One more reception, 10 more yards. Let's um, go. Play, for, Morgan. For tight end – for tight end, I'm a little bit uh, like Dennis. I think it matters uh, your situation and, um, and and where you're playing. If I have Zach Ertz, I'm still rolling him out there. I just think he's still going to be a top option at the position. There's no reason to jump dump him for pennies on the dollar for no reason. But I have taken the tactic in uh, startup drafts or in new drafts. It's To me, it's a little bit about the draft position, seeing – Goddard and his, you know, his age and his role in the offense and that he seems to be ascending and where you can get him versus paying that draft premium for Ertz right now doesn't make sense to me in Dynasty. If you're in redraft and you're just looking at this 2020 season, he'll probably still be the better uh, tight end in Philadelphia. But if you're looking at the long term, Ertz is still going up there with the, you know, pretty near uh, Kelsey and Kittle and Andrews and for dynasty purposes, I don't, you know, I'm not taking that third, fourth round swing there. So, what was that? What was that production between Whiteside and Jackson? Uh, so, JJ Arcega Whiteside had ten receptions for 169 yards and a touchdown, and Deshaun Jackson had nine for 159. Uh, he did have two touchdowns, so I guess he probably finished higher in points. There, baby, let's go. And Arthega Whiteside played 42% of the snaps, and, and Jackson played less than six. Played 4% of the snaps. <laughs> well, there you go. Sorry. Five, five, but you know what? They they actually had the same number of targets. They both had uh, – oh, wait, no, never mind. We always knew DJX was boomer bustive. So, you know, JJ, he's consistent with his, you know, 10-yard 10, 10 10 average catch. I'll, I'll take it. It's good enough for me. Better than Corey Davis is doing. So that, that's who we're talking about here with him, right? All right, so let's do some over-unders. We're going to clarify before we start here today. Over means behind <laughs> the number. Under means below the number. So over, bad, under, good, right? Is that what we're going with? Is that what we've decided on now? Sure. Keep it that? Okay, cool. Carson over Wentz, bad. QB 10 for 2020. Over, over or under Dennis? Over, bad. QB 10. Man, that's a good number. Uh... Boy, I'm gonna go QB eleven. So on over. All right, Matt. I'm gonna go under. I think he's as in the top high. ten. I think yeah. yeah, I think he finishes right around eight or nine. So I'm gonna go under as well. His ADP is one or nine. He is being drafted as the ninth quarterback off the board, just ahead of him. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Russell Wilson. Would you take him over any of those three, Matt? Um, I would take him over Burrow and Allen. Um, I'm I still have my reservations about whether Josh Allen is going to form up into an elite quarterback. I like what I've seen from once more and Burrow. He could be great, but you don't know what he is. That to me feels like a little bit of a of a gamble, especially on a franchise that had problems other than a quarterback. Yeah, I'm the same. I'd take him over Allen and Burrow. 
I think I'd take him over Burrow. I think I'd keep Allen. I I, I agree with what you guys are saying. But my only thing with Not Allen, if you take him, you wouldn't. You don't. No, no. Like I agree with the analysis you're making. He likes my, the running. Exactly. That's what I was gonna say. They use Allen so much in the red zone to run in, and those rushing touchdowns I think are gonna keep him above Wentz for fantasy value. So I'd still take Allen over him. I think Wentz is probably gonna put up. Definitely more passing yards and touchdowns, but those rushing touchdowns is what's going to equal it out a little bit more and I think move Allen ahead of him. So I, I'd still take Allen. I would take him over Burrow. Just behind Wentz, Baker, the touchdown maker, Tua, and Daniel Jones. Would you take any of those three over Wentz? I would not. That's a lie. You've been taking Baker over him. But all right. No, if Wentz was available, <laughs> I, I might take Baker sometimes. Um, you know, I, I'm like I keep saying, I'm in a lot of leagues and doing a lot of different drafts, and sometimes I just change it up. But probably seven out of ten times, I'd take Wentz over Baker right now. Uh, I would take Baker ten out of uh, ten times over Wentz. I'm just kidding. I, I would. I'd probably. Well, you should. I mean, that's a. That's I'd where fandom tonight. comes in. Yeah, exactly. I always draft with my heart. That's my problem. Uh, no, I, I'd be torn. I, I do think that both – I take that back. I would take Baker because I bought all in on Baker. I said he's going to be a top-five quarterback this year. So if I really believe that, why am I taking Wentz when I just said he's going to be eight or nine? So I'd take Baker over him. No, not to uh, – Daniel Jones is interesting to me, though, because he did finish his QB three last year, I think, four. He finished high because of the rushing yards and the rushing touchdowns. So he's kind of interesting to me. I might be – I see Matt's looking it up, so I'm going to try well, jo- and – Jones had about half the rushing production of Josh Allen. Well, Did Jones- you have, you have Matt? I'm looking. I'm pulling him up right now. Oh, man. Okay. I and and I remember that because in the Dynasty Nerds Trade Calculator League, I took Daniel Jones over Josh Allen. Daniel Jones finished as QB 24 in PPR last year. Oh, God. How did I get he, that so He far? had 3,027 pass yards, 24 TDs, yeah. 12 INTs, 279 rush yards, only about 30 more than Wentz, that and two rushing TDs. Bad. Did I say Daniel Jones? I meant Deshaun Watson. I don't know where I got those guys mixed up. Anyways, yeah, so I would take Oh, Baker. yeah, you should take Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Up for Definitely take Deshaun Watson. I think we're all agreeing on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When okay. you said QB3, I was like, wait, I, I, I feel better about my one share of Daniel Jones. Oh, no, no, he's still Look, sleeping. I told you, I'm tired. I, I did not sleep much, and my mind is messing with me today. That's what's going on here. All right, so Miles Sanders, RB14 in 2020, over or under Matt? I'm going under. I think he finishes top 10. Interesting. I like it. Dennis? I'm taking the under as well. I think, you know, I can't sit here and say he's going to get 70% of the workload and and uh, with a substantial amount of that being catching passes and then uh, not give him uh, inside the top 14. I don't know. I mean, let's, let's all be honest here. If Rojo gets 70% of the workload in Tampa, we're not putting him top 14, right? If Rojo gets seventy percent of the workload, but we will move him to top thirty. Somebody died. Let's go top thirty. Moving on. You mean Tom Brady just blew both of his ACLs walking out of a tunnel? Yeah. Uh, No, 
Rojo blew a block and Brady got his got himself tore up. I got a, I got the under on Sanders as well. Uh, his ADP is 15. He is uh, currently being drafted as RB 11. All of these guys right here are all being drafted like right around the same amount. It's extremely close uh, with these guys right here. So just ahead of them, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, and Nick Chubb. Would you take him over any of those three, Dennis? Um, I'd take him over Taylor. Uh, I'd take him over Jacobs and most like and, and Taylor uh, to, uh, but I probably Chubb is a tough one. Uh, he's good. Chubb might lead the league in rushing again, but unfortunately he's fallen into one of those situations where unless something happens to Kareem hunt, they're going to throw the ball to hunt. Uh, Chubb might get, you know, 20, 25 catches. But I don't think that's going to be enough to sustain him uh, versus Sanders, who's probably in for a fifty to sixty catch season. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'd take Sanders uh, over all three of them. All right, interesting, Matt. I would take him over uh, Taylor, and I would take him over. Uh, wait, I just forgot the other guy. Jacobs over Jacobs. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I wouldn't take him over Chubb because. I just think there's too great a chance. The touchdowns could be a real uh, difference too. Yeah, I'm with uh, I'm with Matt. Uh, Taylor would be close for me though, because I, I mentioned this on the podcast with uh, Nixon that we did last Thursday. I think Taylor is going to be in for a huge year this year. I think uh, people are kind of overestimating what they think Marlon Mack's going to do. At least for me, what Marlon Mack's going to do in that offense. Uh, but I had Sanders above Jacobs last year in the rookies, and I still think he's a much better running back on a much better team. Uh, so I'm definitely taking him over Jacobs. Right behind him, J.K. Dobbins, Derek Henry. My God, Derek Henry. Hey, you just wanted to make him more exotic. Yeah, he is. He's Are a, you into that Derek Henry? Running back now. Yeah, he's exciting now that he's you know good. Uh, and uh, Derek Henry and DeAndre Swift, would you take any of those three over Sanders? Nope. No. Yeah, I agree. It's not even close for me on any of those guys. All right. Alshon Jeffrey, wide receiver 27 in 2020. Over. Yeah, over. I think he can be a wide receiver three, but uh, maybe a lower three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was real. I had no idea where to go with this one. I was, I was trying, so I didn't want to put him too low. Uh, so I mean, I he could end up being wide receiver three on his own team, depending. That's yeah. the tough part, you know, with injuries and with not really knowing where they're going to go with the ball. He he All could right. uh, he he could be he could end up as a wide receiver two, a low end two, but I think it would be one of those Amari Cooper type of seasons where he just has two or three games that account for six or seven touchdowns. Yeah, and that boosts him up, and it looks better over the course of the season than it does on a game-to-game basis. I got you. So you're talking about when like Amari Cooper goes for like 29 points, and then he's like one, four, five, 38, two, three, six, 29, one, zero, two, Look, three, like that. Have, you're gonna have your time to uh, to throw your boy under the bus. Uh, he's I believe actually he's not even worth talking about when we get to the Cowboys but uh just to kind of prove your point Matt uh earlier what you were talking about how low he is going his ADP right now is at 171 he's being drafted as the seven 72nd wide receiver off the board right now just ahead of him Emmanuel Sanders Julian Edelman and James Washington would you take him over any of those three 
Take him over James Washington. Same for me. In the 14th round. Uh, Here's where Dennis reveals himself to be James Washington truther. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I like Washington. I, I would the, – the thing – so, player. so in, in both in dynasty leagues, if I'm drafting, obviously I'm taking Washington. Uh, Sanders is really the conundrum for me because, you know, he's had that patella or Achilles injury. And while he looked okay last season, you know, what's the long-term toll on that? And then, you know, Michael Thomas and his 297 targets, uh, and then Edelman still is likely to be a target hog, so he's probably going to outproduce Jeffrey, and they probably have a fairly similar shelf life of production. So I'd probably take Edelman and Washington uh, over Jeffrey by a smidge. Uh, I agree. I think I, I take him over Washington for sure. Edelman and Sanders, yeah, I, I just I couldn't do it, and I I don't I think Jeffrey will be fine this season, uh, but I think Edelman and and Sanders easily both way outproduce him, so it's not even close. Right behind him, Dee Westbrook, Antonio Gandy, Golden, and Devin Duvernay. Would you take him, uh, any of those three over Jeffrey? And so, what are we? What did I say that was the fourteenth round? Yeah. Yeah, um, I'd probably go with the young guys uh, over Jeffrey, just because at that point uh, I've rounded out my start. My starting lineup has been rounded out. I probably even have a depth piece or two. So now I'm looking for youth. So I'd I'd probably go Gandy Golden and Duvernay. Uh, and, and as much as I don't want to quit, Dee Westbrook, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd it'd be a coin flip between those two. So, I mean, I think it depends on how your draft ends up uh, falling for you. It seems like uh, a lot of, like, uh, people are going and grabbing kind of the younger guys uh, in more of those middle rounds, and I find myself at those bottom end uh, trying to get those veterans who are going to produce for you this year. So, you know, that's the place where I've been grabbing, you know, uh, Mr. Consistency Guide, Cole Beasley, and where I've taken kind of Jeffrey or something like that. But it, it depends on what you're, what you're looking at, what the rest of your roster looks like. Looks like. Um, I might take a shot at Gandy Golden or DuVernay. Um, I would definitely not take Westbrook over him. Uh, yeah, for me, it would just be AGG because I think he's got a really good shot to kind of produce on the other side of McLaurin there. I'm not as big a believer. I like Duvernay. I don't like the landing spot for him. Uh, and as we talked about with Nixon as well on Thursday's episode with Westbrook, I just I, – I, at this point, I've kind of got to see that he's going to break out before I'll believe it. He's, he's really kind of gotten passed over here. So I will uh, pass on Westbrook. Rager. Wide receiver 31 in 2020, over or under Dennis? Um, I'm going to take the under. I think he can finish as a, a high-end wide receiver three. Okay. Matt? Uh, I mean, it'll probably be at the expense of uh, Jeffrey, but... I'm going to go a little over. I, I just don't 
know if any of them is going to have, like, I think that there's going to be a group of those Philly receivers that kind of eat into each other's production. I think he'll have a good year. He could easily end up being the best of that group, but I don't know if I think he's going to make it into wide receiver too. There's so many wide receivers when you're looking at, and there's so many teams that run two or three deep um, that that are they figure could put up numbers. You could, you're going to have a lot of guys, I think, that are best wide receiver on a team that end up as a wide receiver three in fantasy. Yeah, I'm going to go under, just under. I think he finishes, as Dennis said, to a high-end wide receiver three. He's got the talent, and that offense, I think, is going to be throwing the ball a decent amount. I trust Wentz as long as he stays healthy. I think Rager can produce in this offense. I'm going to go just under. Uh, his ADP is 50, being drafted as a 25th wide receiver off the board. Just ahead of him, Debo Samuel, Stephon Diggs, and DJ Chark. Are you taking him over any of those three, Dennis? I'm definitely uh, – I'd probably go – Samuel is really the only question for me. I'm taking Diggs and Chark over him and probably Samuel because I, I'm more comfortable, even though he's in a uh, lower uh, passing production offense, Samuel does have an established uh, spot in the pecking order. So I, I think I would take those three all over Rager. Yeah, Samuel is the closer one for me, but I, I don't think I would take any of them over or take Rager over any of them. Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. I think Samuel's already kind of established himself in that offense, so I would take him in his role, even though I don't trust Jimmy G as much. I, I would take them all three over Rager. Just after him, Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin, and Robert Woods. Would you take any of those three over Rager, Matt? Um, I think I might take Terry McLaurin. I would definitely take McLaurin and Woods. And I had Rager rated over Jefferson, so I would not take Rager or Jefferson over Rager. You know, last year, wide receiver 31 and half point PPR was Jamison Crowder with 78 receptions. 833 yards and six touchdowns. Yeah, see, I mean, like, that's a pretty, yeah, pretty good uh, year. And yeah, yet. you know, Rager's probably going to be, I would expect he's probably at best a 60 reception guy, but I could see him, uh, you know, hitting a thousand yards. If he gets 60 receptions, I'd expect a thousand yards out of him. So. Yeah, uh, so, probably going to eat it on that uh, 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 under wide receiver yeah, 31 there. I'm right there with you. Uh, I would take McLaurin. Uh, Woods would be a coin flip for me. Uh, it would just kind of depend on my team at that point. If I was looking to possibly go a little bit younger, I might go Rager just uh, with the upside because, I, I mean, I'm big on Rager as well. I had him over Jefferson. So it, that would be the one me. Jefferson would I wouldn't even think about. Uh, Zach Ertz, uh, tight end seven in 2020. Why not? Well, you got to pick over or under. I'm going to go slightly under. Well, let's see. He had 135 targets last year, and I expect that to drop if for no other reason than in, improved production from the wide receiver core. Uh, he was tight end four last year. Yeah, eighty-eight, nine, sixteen, and six. 
Uh, let's go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over. All right. Uh, I am going to go under, but just barely. I think he finishes right around tight end six. So I'm going to go just under. Uh, ADP of 67, he's being drafted as the fifth tight end off the board. Just ahead of him, Ingram, Andrews, and Kelsey. There's no way any of us are taking him over them, correct? I'd take him over Ingram. Yeah, I'd take him, I'd, I think I'd take him over Ingram now. The, I'm getting scared off by the injuries. Yeah, Ingram's in, in that class of uh, the all hype team to me. So, and I'm gonna I'm gonna switch my vote to uh, to to under. You know, look at Jared Cook was can't change now. Jared Cook was tight end seven last year with 43 receptions and 700 yards. Dennis uh, just looked at the stats and went, "Oh God, no!" Yeah. <laughs> all right, just uh, just after Ertz, uh, Derek Henry, not De- Mike. Hunter Henry. Tight end now. That's so big. Hunter Henry, Darren Waller, and TJ Hawkinson. You take it any of those three over Ertz, Matt. I would take Waller over him. Okay. Dennis? I, I could I could probably make the case for Hawkinson as well. Um, in part just because it, it, it would simply be the youth argument to take Hawkinson over Ertz. Um, so if I'm, if I'm in the sixth or seventh round, I've probably already passed on him and he's been taken. So I, I, I don't think if, if Ertz is going as tight end three or four being drafted, I'm probably not taking Ertz. And so, therefore, I would probably take Hawkinson, but it would be later. So it's it's you know it. I, I guess it comes down to the uh, at draft position argument. Uh, what, do I want Ertz in round four or Hawkinson in round seven? I want Hawkinson in round seven. Yeah, uh, Hawkinson would be the only question for me to go back to the Rager discussion we had earlier. It depends on how my team's building. If I want to try and go younger, if I can win this year, I'm taking Ertz. Uh, if I want to go a little bit younger, I'm taking Hawkinson. Um, I, I think I'd still take him over Henry and Waller. Dallas Goddard, tight end eight in 2020. Dennis, over or under? Uh, I'm uh, so no wonder they finished right next to each other. Yeah, I, I know, and, and and I don't think that's unreasonable. They were last year. They were what tight end four, four and ten, and four tight and end ten. And if I yeah, if, and if we make the argument that. Ertz is going to regress to six, then why why wouldn't Goddard go up to seven or eight? Um, I'm going to say eight's where he should be. Yeah, that was it. I, yeah. I, I guess I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick uh, over and say tight end nine. Yeah, me okay. too. I, I think he's more likely to nine than to seven or six. So. I agree. His ADP is 107. He's being drafted as the 11th tight end off the board. Just ahead of him, Noah Font, Austin Hooper, and TJ Hawkinson. You taking him over any of those three? Definitely take him over Hooper. Yeah, I'll take him over Hooper. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to take him over the other two. Right behind him, Tyler Higby, Mike Gusecki, and Rob Gronkowski. I would take Gusecki over him. I think Gusecki is actually going to – 
have a continue his breakout that he started last year. I think he's going to be a huge key for that Dolphins offense. I like Kaseki, so I would take him over Goddard. Outside of that, I would not take B or Gronk. What about you guys? That's tough on Gaseki because it, while he's talented, he uh, Chan Gailey has not always effectively used his tight ends, and so that could end up being uh, bad for Gaseki. Uh, I I think I would probably take Goddard over all of them. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with that. Higby is really close for me because I think he's going to have a, a big season and and it's coming out. I liked the way he ended the year. but I Haven't think you ever I heard of Gerald Everett? <laughs> Gerald Everett died. You just haven't realized it yet. That's the piece, geez. No, I mean, right. Gerald Everett exists. That's that's what we'll say. But I, th- I think I would still stick with Goddard over those guys. On to the wonderful Dallas Cowboys, who finished eight and eight last year and missed the playoffs. Uh, as called on the show by Mister Dennis Bennett, there that Dak would have a career year last year, and it happened. McCarthy comes in as a typical pass-heavy play caller with the new analytics approach that he has. Uh, He averaged with Green Bay, although some of this I do think was due to Aaron Rodgers, right around 60% passing every single year. Uh, I went back the past six years as a head coach, and he was about uh, 60% or over uh, every single year. Goddard is the Calvin Ridley of tight ends. His EV is higher than every tight end except Kelsey. Okay. Very interesting. So what you're telling me is I was wrong on Goddard. You are probably right, sir. You are probably right. Uh, anyways, uh, so do we think Dak and McCarthy can take the Cowboys to the next level? Dennis. The uh, next level, probably. just nine wins. <laughs> nine wins, yes. Dak, QB1, beats out Lamar Jackson last year, I think was QB1. Yeah, but Dak's never going to run for – unless Ezekiel Elliott just he transfers his lower body. All that. So – you know, I was looking at the uh, the run pass splits for McCarthy and Garrett. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the beginning of his tenure, uh, Garrett was tenth, uh, second, and fourth in run pass split. So he was uh, passing the ball a lot. Uh, McCarthy has typically been in the top half. The last six years, Garrett was um, in the bottom third uh, in the league uh, in run-pass split. Now, granted, what was it, four, three or four of those years, he had Zeke Elliott, so th- that kind of makes sense. Um, I-, I feel like Dak is not going to regress under um, McCarthy. He's still going to get plenty of opportunities uh, but for the most part, when you looked at their play numbers, there was only uh, – uh, on if you averaged out the entire career for Garrett and the entire career for McCarthy, it was only about 15 plays a year more that the Packers ran than, than the Cowboys. So roughly one play a game extra. You know, how, how much more productive can you be in one more play – Per game, it comes down to your, uh, your your personnel. Dallas has some really strong personnel, and uh, 
as, as much as we think they might pass, they do have Zeke Elliott for the next couple of years, and they're going to hand him the ball. I, I like I, I, I like uh, Dak to hold on and, and still be a top three or four quarterback this year uh, with Cooper and Gallup. Uh, and our boy. Lamb. Yeah, and to go back uh, to your point, Dak was quarterback too, but there was a 78-point spread between him and quarterback one Lamar Jackson. So it's <laughs> not like they were neck and neck exactly there. Um, I mean, it's less than 100 points, so it's kind of close. It's true. I I think we, you know, if we're being honest, whether you like the Cowboys or not, they had a better – Jerry Jones was not wrong that they seemed to have a better roster than their record the last few years. They felt like major underachievers. And sometimes you just need a new coach to come in and take the pieces you have and give it a kick in the butt and put it together a little bit better. I mean, I saw that happen uh, in Denver where, you know, John Fox was a perfectly serviceable coach. He went to a Super Bowl where he got blown out. He went to playoffs, you know, every almost every year he was there. But he couldn't get him to that final level. And I think, you know, Garrett uh, just was not a guy that was able to maximize or uh, to help Dallas uh, with his play calling. So I think, you know, Mike McCarthy has been to and won a Super Bowl, which is not easy. Um you know, he's worked with some good offenses and some good teams before, so we'll see, uh, we, you know, what he can do there. Um, I posed this question to you guys uh, a couple of weeks ago. I, I think it's fair to pose it here. Is at some point in time, I, I realized that I have massive pieces of the Dallas Cowboys pass offense on almost every one of my fantasy teams, meaning that my fate is kind of tied to them and I'm going to have to root for their success. At some point in time, does that make you a closet Cowboys fan? I mean, I know a lot of the back row shows now closet Dolphins fans because of or not Barker was already a Dolphins fan, but some of the other people that were there Friday are closet Dolphins fans now. Uh, they're not closet Dolphins fans. They are. They're all right. yeah, they are now. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do think it does make you a little bit of a closet uh, Dolphins fan. All right, so. Uh, I, don't, I agree. I don't know that it makes you a closet Dolphins fan. I mean, we're playing fantasy football. We want points. Yeah, Cowboys. We're going for yeah. points. And, and if, if the Cowboys are going to get me the points, then I want the Cowboys players on my team. It's okay to have guys like uh, Gallup and, and Lamb. But when you're drafting yeah. Amari Cooper and wanting points, well, you're the Cowboys. I've been going for, uh, for our boy Lamb a lot. I'm in one startup that just started that's 14 teams. Yeah, we're in round seven. I have yet to take a running back, but when I saw Lamb there, I I'm like, no, I'm just I'm taking a wide receiver for. I don't Same care thing, who takes a running back. I will have to start probably like Tony Pollard as my RB one at this point. <laughs> but I'm like, forget it, I'm doing it. Um, I I do agree with you guys though. I think just the addition of Lamb alone is going to to likely mean Dak is going to have a better year. I mean, with the year he had last year, with Gallup hurt the way he was, Amari is inconsistent as he was, and having to rely on Rand- Randall Cobb and Jason Witten, uh, and he was able to put up the numbers that he was getting. A guy like Lamb, I think, is going to be huge. So the new additions for the Cowboys, they signed Andy Dalton as a backup. They brought in I, just his defense, but I thought it was interesting. I 
completely missed this. I think it's a great deal for them. They brought in Gerald McCoy on a three-year deal. They got Greg the Leg. Omari Cooper got a new deal. Blake Jarwin got a new deal. They drafted CeeDee Lamb. Uh, and then Jason Witten left the team, and Travis Frederick retired, which I do think is a big blow to that offensive line, which has always been kind of considered one of the top offensive lines in the game. Fantasy finishes. Dak, as we mentioned, finishes QB2 with 352.9 points, just behind Lamar Jackson. Zeke, RB4, with 285.7 points. Amari Cooper, wide receiver 9, with a flat 207. Gallup, wide receiver 23, with 179.7 points. Jason Witten, tight end 12, with 109.4 points. And Jarwin, tight end 28, with 69 points. We know that Dak and the Cowboys have yet to come to a long-term deal. He will likely, I would think, sign the franchise tag and likely play on that this year. I think he's got a little less than a month now to make that decision, or they have to come to a deal. Is it this month or next month? It's July. It's mid-July. So they've got they've got a little bit more than a month to come to a long term deal. If they don't, I I can't imagine he's going to pull a levy on Bell and sit out. He's going to sign the the franchise tag and play. Do we think if that happens that maybe he's a little jaded and goes the Kirk Cousins route and maybe just signs the franchise tag the next couple of years and then goes into free agency, or do we think he's a Cowboy long term? Uh, we'll go with Dennis first. Well. For what they pay quarterbacks on the franchise tag, getting franchise tagged once or twice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, okay. I get it. it it's, you'd love to get the $150 million contract or whatever, but getting 40 or 50 or 35, whatever the hell it's going to be next year or this coming season. And then if they decide to do it again, uh, and then you go and sign a big deal, you know, in a couple of years. Uh, he's not going to get less valuable playing with the likes of Cooper and Gallup and Lamb and Elliott. So you know, they need to figure out a way to pay him. I I think Jerry is one of those guys. He's a my guy guy, and I think Dak is one of his guys. Uh, he's going to figure out a way to get it done. It's going to lead to some low-cost options at other positions. At some point, it might affect the offensive line. But Dak is pretty mobile. You know, tight end could suffer a little bit. They've got Jarwin uh, signed fairly inexpensively. Uh, there will be some guys on the defense that end up uh, not getting paid. So uh, Dak, Dak is going to be there. Uh, you know, the, the way the NFL uh, economics are set up, you have to pay your quarterback if he's producing numbers like Dak is producing. So uh, he's going to be there long-term in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think they're going to get some kind of a, a deal worked out. Uh, it's just a matter of time um, to get that done because I think both sides realize that they're probably each other's best option right now, unless you're a big believer in an Andy Dalton resurgence. Red rifle, baby. He knows how to sling it when he's got weapons around him. I think I agree with you guys. I'm not sure. I, again, living here, I hear a lot of the talk, and it really does seem like those two sides are really kind of getting a lot of anger toward each other with Dak wanting to go short-term deal, Cowboys wanting a long-term deal. Uh, the fact that neither one of them seem to be able to compromise through all of this, I mean – 
at this time last year, Dennis, when we were doing these shows and we were talking about what's going to happen, we were talking about there's no way they can't pay Dak. He, look what he's done for the Cowboys since he's taken over for Tony Romo. And there was talks about it at this time last year about them making him the franchise quarterback, and it still hasn't happened. And, and that's just something about that, that we're still know, a year later that hasn't happened worries me. That I, I think, could see them – go ahead. Think about the when they had this high profile franchise tag with Des Bryant. It literally went down to you know like three fifty nine p.m. Eastern to get him right. to sign that five year, and it was five year seventy million. Ended up being I think at the time one of the biggest wide receiver contracts. I think we're going to see something similar with Dak. It's frustrating because you think these things should happen sooner. You know, it, you think it makes sense, but both of them have been posturing and negotiating, trying to get the most that they can what screwed the Cowboys is they should have tried to do this last year before we saw some of the huge deals roll out for like Jared Goff or Carson Wentz. And you're looking at it like, okay. Well that, that, so that's where I'm, I'm torn. Cause not even that, not even the other, the other quarterback deals, but how they've gone about paying everybody else on their team, but Dak, that that's what kind of worries me as well. And I could see Dak, as much as I love to give him crap, because I, I think he is a very good quarterback, but I don't think he's elite, which is what he's going to get paid at. With and, and that's not always based on your talent level, right? It's just whoever's next up for the quarterback market sometimes how that works. And I get that. But I feel like the Cowboys are going the route of, we don't think you're elite, so we don't want to pay you that elite money. So they're trying to, like the, the talk down here is they want to add the extra years onto the deal so that they can play the money out longer, right? So it doesn't hit the salary cap as much so they can get more players or ret- bring back more players in the next coming years where Dak's like, no, I think he wants a three- or four-year deal so he can kick the can again in the next couple years before he turns 30. And that seems to be the biggest contention point between the two of them. Where I could see the Cowboys going, hey, you know what? Fine. You don't want to sign long term with us. We'll let you play out the franchise tag the next couple of years and then see what happens. I, because you're still keeping Dak for your Super Bowl window, which is probably the next couple of years. And then if you don't, if he doesn't get you there, whatever, you still have the chance to get out of it. So I think there's a better chance that he signs a long term deal, whether it's four years, five years, whichever side gives. Uh, but I would be I'm, I'm honestly 50 50 on him, him signing or him playing the franchise tag out the next couple of years and then moving on. I- See, I think one of the things, though, the reason that he's playing it out a little bit, trying to get the max amount is there have been a ton of reports that due to what's going on in our world, while football may not get pushed off in terms of like the other sports having a delay or missing games. What is very likely to happen almost a certainty at this point is that the salary cap comes down next year. I don't think he wants to ride the franchise tag because all those franchise tag kind of things will get compressed as well. I think he's trying to get the most he can get right now so that he's not in a negotiating window next year or the year after where you don't know if the caps, you know, they said it could take two or three years for the cap to go back to where it is right now. Well, the one thing that'll help him though is if he stay if he signs the franchise tag this year, it increases regardless next year. You, what I can't remember what the increase is, but ten percent or fifteen percent, something like that. Up, it doesn't matter how much the salary cap drops; he's still going to get that ten or fifteen percent extra on there because he's on the uh, the franchise tag two years in a row. So he's still going to get as I mean. Uh, I mean, you're looking at, I don't know what the franchise tag is for QBs right now. It's some, right. What is it over? I know it's over 20 something million. So you're going to add 15% onto that. I mean, it's, he's going to get paid a good chunk of change. I mean, I take 30 million to go play quarterback for the Cowboys right now. I'm not going to go eight and eight, 
might go one in 15, 16, but, you know, whatever. Um, currently, the franchise tag for quarterbacks in 2020 is $26,824,000. Yeah. It's going make a pretty good chunk of change. So I, I'm, I'm still torn on it. I'm not sure. I, I could see it going either way. I, I guess if I had to pick a side, since I forced you guys to pick sides, I'm going to I'm gonna go contrarian here. I think he's going to end up being with, the, with another team, uh, not with the Cowboys for the long term. This is kind of an interesting question, but I wanted to get your guys' opinion on it because we talked about it with Bob Lung, right? I brought it up that Zeke kind of had it down here, yet he still finished his running back four for fantasy points, but we all saw it, right? Whether it was him sitting out as long as he did, he just didn't look like the same Zeke. Dennis, you've mentioned before, as we've talked about different players, including Zeke, that this is your, in your opinion, time to sell Zeke. Do we think he bounces back, or is it time to get off the Zeke train? Yes. All right. I, th- I think he bounces back, and I think it's time to get off the Zeke train. Um, he, he's he's carried a pretty heavy workload on a per game basis. Had three hundred carries last year, plus seventy one targets. Uh, I I would expect he's probably going to be in that same range again this year. Uh, you know, fawn all you want over Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard's not Zeke Elliott. And Zeke is going to carry the ball. He, he's still only 24 years old. Uh, and he's proven that he, he's uh, one of the few three-down bell cow backs in the league currently. And unless something happens to him, I, I expect he's going to have another really, really strong year. Uh, what do you have, 12 touchdowns last year? Yeah, you know, That's just, you know. 1300 yeah you know, we're sitting here he had he, he rushed for 1357 yards with 12 touchdowns 54 receptions for 420 yards and we're here lamenting his bad yeah. season well see now that's that's the thing i was going to bring up like uh, we're talking about him falling off it wasn't so much falling off in opportunity though um if you look at his career as a rookie that was when he had his most carries he had 322 he sat out those six games when he got suspended in his second year, but he had 304 carries for 1,437 yards in 2018, had 301 carries last year. So you're talking about a lot of mileage already. Uh, he only had six touchdowns in 2018, actually had 12 last year. So, But it's his per-game production has declined each of his four years in the league to last year. His per-game rushing was 84.8 yards per game. That was by far his lowest. And the other thing that was a big fall-off from 2018 was his targets and receptions. He had 95 targets and 77 receptions in 18, a year where the Cowboys fundamentally really just did not have uh, much in the way of receivers. You know, that was before Gallup kind of got going last year. They ended up trading for Cooper in the middle of the year. But when they started out, it was like some real questions. Terrence Williams was their their guy. Witten was retired that year. So Zeke was like one of their primary receivers. That's the function I don't think is ever going to really come back to where it was in 2018 because they have much better receivers and they – and you would figure with McCarthy, they're going to continue to use their wide receivers and going going down the field with them. So Zeke could have another 300 carries. That seems to be what he's averaged if he plays 15 or more games a season. But it's it's been his yards per game that goes down. And I think that we see that happen a lot when the miles start to pile up. And we talked about, you know, Travis Frederick retiring. That's 
that's a loss that can't be you know underestimated when it comes to running the ball. While they might make some adjustments and be able to get the ball out quicker and pass, one of the strengths for Ezekiel Elliott was having one of the best offensive lines in football to run behind. And as that's come back to earth a little bit, you're seeing his production come back to earth a little bit. Well, but, but I could also see if his production stay, if his touches stay at a similar level, I can see his production going up because of the McCarthy passing game, pulling people back off the line, giving him more space to operate. Uh, and while Frederick is uh, is certainly a loss, uh, I think they – I forget who they drafted. I feel like they picked up a, a rookie uh, center in the draft. Cushenberry maybe? or No, Denver got Cushenberry. Oh, okay. Uh, I forget who, who it was. They did take somebody in, I think, day three. So what, what, what I somewhat agree with what you're saying, Dennis, but it also worries me too, right? It's having all three of those guys in Gallup, Cooper, and Lamb, who as much as I like to give uh, Cooper crap, like all three of those guys, once they get the ball, could score touchdowns, right? Like they, they, they can all get the yak and score touchdowns as soon as they get the ball, which is then obviously also going to hurt Zeke because that's less times that he can carry the ball. So I think with explosive as that offense is, uh, I think – he's going to continue to lose out on catches, which I think is what's really hurt his fantasy value. Like he was those first couple of years with the amount of catches that he was getting being talked about as like one of the top two running backs in the game. I don't think you can, especially with the way CMC has come on, but like, I don't even think he's in the argument for second, maybe third. Like it's, I think losing out on those catches is kind of like the, the, the argument you've made against Nick Chubb a couple times on here, Dennis, is that without having those catches, it's going to hurt your fantasy value. So, and Matt, you said they took Tyler, Tyler badass. That's right. That, yep, so, fourth round. Uh, so I, I do, I think Zeke's still going to be right around what he is. I guess my other question would be, he, we've seen, well, up until last year, he seemed to be very consistent in getting you like those 10 plus point games every single week where last year we saw a couple of those weeks where he was not bad, but he wasn't getting you those points you expected out of a first round running back. So do you think even with the less targets, but possibly better offense, maybe more touchdowns, he's more, um, why was I going to say consecutive? My goodness. What am I looking for? More, uh, consistent, consistent. Uh, more consistent this year, possibly with that offense, or, or do you think, uh, he's going to continue to possibly be uh, that roller coaster ride again this year, like he was last year? I think it's going to help him. He'll be more consistent. He'll he'll get the opportunity. So it's he ain't going anywhere. Yeah, I think game flow um, had some to do with it. You know, last year he obviously, uh, I think they had him on a little bit of a, a pitch count in the early going um, because he missed, you know, he missed time going up, you know, almost to week one. We weren't sure if Elliott was even going to be there. Uh, you know, in terms of when they got that contract uh, deal done. I, you know, last year, I think he almost made up from hit for his fall off in receptions with touchdowns, you know, doubling. That was, you know, the second best mark in his career. He had 15 as a rookie, but his second year, he only had seven. He only had six the, the year prior. So that's, that to me bailed out a lot, especially later in the season uh, coming out. So I think you know, it's what you said, goal line opportunities. He'll probably still get 300 carries. You don't have a guy like Elliott and not give him the ball. But, 
you know, we have to see what that line looks like. We have to see what the opportunities, if they have a more robust passing game, it could open up better opportunities for them. I just don't know. You know, we, we think of them as having a down year. When you look at the numbers, to me, I don't know if you're expect if I'm expecting a lot better than what we saw last year in terms of what he put up. All right, so we, we've talked a couple times here about how good these wide receivers are that they have. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb. Do two of these three finish in the top 24 in 2020? Yeah, I think Cooper and Gallup will finish in the top 24. I think Matt. only one I think only one will be in the top 24, but all three will be in the top 36. All right. Dennis, do you think all three can finish in the top 36? Uh, I think they can. I think my my the only thing that I that I hesitate even thinking two will finish top twenty four is how much of the one receiver favoritism was Rogers and how much of it was McCarthy's scheme going towards one receiver uh, pretty heavily. Uh, yeah, I haven't looked into the McCarthy scheme that much to. To, to adapt to be able to say, well, it was Rodgers who only wanted to throw to one receiver versus uh, McCarthy who only schemed towards one receiver. So there there is some hesitation there. I'm going to say probably uh, – I'm going to say Lamb finishes just outside the top 36. All right. I, I think uh, all three will actually finish in the top 36. I think uh, all three are going to be really good. It hurts me to even praise Amari Cooper, but I, I can't imagine that uh, that him and, and Gallup don't finish in the top 24. And I'm buying all in on Lamb this year. I think he's going to be awesome. Uh, Blake Jarwin, can he be a top 12 tight end? We saw that uh, Jason Witten finished just on the verge of that. He finished as tight end 12 last year, so Jarwin is going to be the guy moving forward. Can he finish as a top 12 tight end in 2020? I think it, it make you know, the targets may be a challenge for Jarwin, getting enough volume. Um, I forget what the actual uh, – Witten see. had 83 targets last year. Right. I don't I don't know that Jarwin gets 83 targets, but I feel like Jarwin can make up for it with uh, production after the catch. So uh, let's call him tight end 11. Why the hell not? Yeah, Jarwin had 41 targets last year, 31 receptions, 365, and three TDs. He, I, I think he, 28, so. he could be tight end 12. I just don't think he will be. All right, over or under, Dak Prescott, QB4 in 2020. I'm going to say under. over. Oh, under. Wait, under, yeah, under. I forgot how would our score I'm QB3. Over. I think he's going to be QB5. His ADP is currently um, – oh, where'd it go? Matthew Fox is blocking my thing. There we go. ADP of 64, QB5. Uh, just ahead of him, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, and Lamar Jackson. Would you take him over any of those three? I'd take him over Murray. I I think I would take him over Watson. I, I like Watson as a player, but okay. I feel like his coach and team situation are not great. 
I would not take him over any of those guys. I, I love I loved Kyler Murray last year. I love Kyler Murray this year, adding Nook in there as well. Um, as I, I think, oh, man, that sucks because I said Baker was going to finish his QB5, and clearly that can't happen now. <laughs> uh, QB6, yeah. QB6. All you said was over. You didn't have to commit to a number. That's true. No, I did. I said five, though. I said I think he's going to finish five. So he's actually going to finish at six. His Baker's going to finish at five. Uh, right behind him, Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen. Are you taking any of those three over Dak? Nope. Yeah, neither am I. As much as I love Allen and uh, Wilson, I'm not taking either one of those guys over Dak. Zeke, RB5 in 2020, over or under? Uh, I'm going to say, where did he finish last year? Four. Four? Mm, man. I'm going to go with six. I'm going to say okay. under. You're going to say over. over. If going Whatever. <laughs> this game, I put the, number the, game the game that constantly causes us consternation. <laughs> uh, Matt? I'm going to say slight under and that he – He's right around RB4 again. Yeah, I, I am with you. I think he's going to be 4-3 this year. Uh, he's got an ADP of 4. He is a third RB off the board. Just ahead of him, a Barkley or a CMC. We, anybody taking him over those two? Not since I quit drinking. All right. Good. Good. Fair enough. Uh, right after him, Kamara, Cook, and Mixon. Are you taking any of those three over Zeke? Nope. I mean, the temptation for me might have been Cook before today's uh, devastating news, so I- I'm going to say no. Yeah, we'll have to get into that right here at the end of the podcast, as that did kind of happen right before uh, we went on here. Amari Cooper, wide receiver 11, over or under? One of you goes under, I will kick you off. So all over? We're all on board for the over? Kind of sleepy anyways. I'll go under. No, I think <laughs> he's, I think he's probably 12, 12, 13, somewhere in that range. Yeah, I actually took him out of the top 12 when I did my rankings. So, I, I mean, I think they're going to have good seasons, but I just think all three of them have so much potential they're going to eat into each other a little bit. So, uh, you know, he was wide receiver 10 last year, getting 119 targets if he comes back a little bit uh, from that, which, which seems possible. I'm just going to say, you know, slightly over. Yeah, I'm going over as well. ADP of 28, wide receiver 11 off the board just ahead of him. Odell Beckham Jr., A.J. Brown, and Mike Evans. Are you taking him over any of those three, Dennis? I'd probably take him over A.J. Brown. I'd take him over OBJ. OBJ is close. I can be moody, so it would depend on my mood. A.J. Brown, is that what we're doing here? (laughs) Asshole. Dennis doesn't even pay attention. Um, I would take him over Brown as well, because I think Brown's going to be a little bit inconsistent this year. But uh, I would still, as much as I hate Evans, take him. Both of those guys, Evans, and and I would definitely take Odell over over him. Uh, this is the interesting one. Uh, just behind him, Kenny Galladay, Julio Jones, and Allen Robinson. I'm going to be honest. I take all three over Amari Cooper. I I, I mean. We all talked about, I think it was with Nixon on Thursday's episode, how we all think A-Rob could be really good again this year. I love Kenny Galladay, and the fact that Julio is going that late is a crime. I would take all three of them over Cooper. What about you guys? I, I think I would, uh, especially like Galladay and A-Rob. So, and, and, and like you said, Julio, I 
yeah. if, if I'm sitting there at at 28, uh, I, I I just can't. If Julio, I just can't not draft I'll Julio. Yeah, yeah, I probably would take. I mean, the hard one for me is Julio Jones. Uh, whether I would go over him, but Galladay, I I can't believe we live in a world where Kenny Galladay is going after uh, Mari Cooper in ADP, and I like Allen Robinson too. I think we all have talked about when we did the Bears that we we thought he was a pretty well a lock for top ten. All right, Michael Gallup, wide receiver 22 in 2020. Matt? I'm going to go over. How much over? Like two spots I mean, over? I think he'll be over. in the 24 to 26 range, okay. and I think Lamb's probably in the 28 to 32 range. That's why I think they're all going to be bunched up. I just, you know, Gallup was 22 last year. He only had... Uh, six fewer targets than um, Amari Cooper. He just wasn't quite as efficient with his targets. So, you know, I think they're all going to be really good. That's why I think they'll all easily be up wide with zero three or above. But I would I wouldn't be surprised to see him fall a little bit back. Yeah, I I think it uh, wide receiver twenty two is is the sweet spot for Gallup. Uh, I, I would take him uh, under that. I, I think that 2018, uh, you know, he's coming on. And it wouldn't surprise I, – I, if at the end of the year we look back and Gallup is wide receiver 12 and Cooper is wide receiver 18, I won't be the least bit surprised. Yeah, I think the uh, his demise has been written off way too quickly with the drafting of Lamb. I still think Gallup is really good. I am going to go under just because I do think he finishes like right at 22. Uh, so I'm going to take the under just in case he goes 20, 21. But I like Gallup this year as well. Uh, an ADP of 80, uh, he's being drafted as the 40th wide receiver off the board. Uh, right before him, Antonio Brown, Jarvis Landry, and Denzel Mims. Would you take him over any of those three? I would take him over Antonio Brown and Denzel Mims pretty comfortably. And uh, Landry is close, and so it would come down to how the team build is coming. Am I looking for uh, – explosiveness and volatility or am I looking for uh, consistency? If, if I'm building a consistent team or, or I've been volatile leading up to this then I'm going to go Landry. But if I'm looking for somebody that can give me a few big weeks and still have a decent floor, I'm probably going Gallup. So I can't believe Antonio Brown's still going that high in drafts. I mean, there's been no sign in recent days that he's even close to being on a team. That's very shocking to me. I, I'm like Dennis. I, what? He's working out with Dion. I mean, we've seen plenty of guys do workouts on, on well, their own and stuff. I think. I think some of it is just guessing. I wouldn't do this, but when you're drafting in this range, you're probably getting your wide receiver threes right for most of these teams. So my guess would be it's probably someone who's loaded up on RB, and so they're trying to take that shot on Antonio Brown landing on a team and being that wide receiver one and getting him that late. I agree with you. I wouldn't draft him at all unless you're getting no. him in like 
round. There's still a bunch of people, I think, that think he's going to end up in Tampa Bay, and I just don't see it. Oh, yeah. Even if he did, I don't know why you think he'd, he's going to have huge production. You know, oh, It would be at the expense of... I just wanted to see what you would do. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say something now nice about Jarvis Landry, but now I'm rethinking. No, I'm just, uh, the one that's I'm like Dennis. The one that's close for me is Landry. Probably depends on the team and where I'm at. But I think you know my heart says I would, uh, and my fantasy rosters say that I would take him over all three of those. I would take him over Brown and Mims. I'm with you guys. Landry would be the tough one just because he is so consistent and he's been so. Reliable. He's been right at that, like right on the precipice of wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two every single year. So I think I'd still take Landry just because I know he's more consistent. Like I wouldn't be surprised as Gallup outscores him this year because I think Gallup probably overall is the better wide receiver than Jarvis, but he's just been so consistent his entire career, and I don't expect him to drop off much of this year, so I'd still take Landry. Uh, after him, Brandon Ayuk, LaVisca Chenault, and Nikhil Harry. I would not take any of them over Gallup. What about you guys? Nope. Nope. No, I, I got to be honest. I It wouldn't surprise me if we're sitting here next year and we're taking Harry over him. I would be very surprised. I'll be surprised as well. Not a, but then again, I've never been a hairy guy, so you know I could be wrong. I've rode you. Can we cut that? Wrong. Can we cut that audio clip? It's just our drop. I've never been a hairy guy. I've never been a hairy guy. I haven't. Hey, no. Anyways, uh, so Lamp, wide receiver twenty six in twenty twenty over or under Dennis? Uh, hold on, let me see. I got to check my notes. Over. Yeah, I'm going to go with the slide. Rankings. I just had to figure out whether it went over and under men again. Uh, I, I know. Go, I put them in our chat so you can. I, that's where I was looking. <laughs> um, his ADP of 35. He's being drafted as the 15th wide receiver off the board, which is just ridiculous. Uh, just but, before, I mean, that's the thing right now in, in startups. This is the rookie fever stage. And if you want some yeah. of those rookies, you have to reach for all of them. I think we're going to see the ADPs of running backs and receivers from this class are higher than that where they should be relative to production. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, just ahead of them, Allen Robinson, Julio Jones, and Kenny Galladay. I'm not taking him over any of those guys, and I love Lamb. What about you guys? Same. Yeah, no. Just behind him, DK Metcalf, Cortland Sutton, and Cooper Cup. You taking any of those over CD Lamb, Matt? Sutton. Uh, I'm taking Sutton, and it's very tempting to take Metcalf as well. Uh, I feel like he's somebody I missed on last year. And, I did. And so it, the, the temptation is there. You know, do I take the uh, high two potential number one in a lower volume offense over the – wide receiver three and a high volume offense that has wide receiver one upside. That's really the argument I have with myself when I'm looking at lamb and Metcalf. Uh, but I'd probably, I'm probably going to take Metcalf uh, when push comes to shove just because I know his role this year, I expect him to grow. And that's me acknowledging that I oh, missed last year. Me. 
Well, I didn't miss on DK Metcalf. I love that guy. Uh, and I would take both him and Sutton over Lamb. I love Lamb, but DK, again, same thing as I was mentioning with Jarvis earlier. Even though it's only one year, he's already got that assured role there in Seattle. Uh, we talked about it when we uh, uh, talked about – we haven't gotten to Seattle yet. Why were we talking about him and Tyler Lockett for some reason? I don't remember, but there was a lot of worry with whoever our guest was. talking about our wide receiver duos, I think. It's either Bob Harris or Bob Lung. One of those guys, we were talking about the Lockett and Metcalf and how Lockett might not be healthy. Uh, I like Metcalf. He proved a lot last year. Um, so I, I would take Metcalf and Sutton. Cup wouldn't even be a question. I know he's been good with the Rams, but I'd rather take Lamb. I think he's the better wide receiver. Blake Jarwin, tight end 12 in 2020. I will take the over because I have a bet that he won't finish in the top 12. So I'm going to stick with my guns there. What about you, Dennis? Uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember what I said he would do a little bit ago. Let me rewind it really quick. You said that he was going to be a top 12 tight end, but you didn't say how high in the top 12. Man. So let's see. Witten was the tight end last year. Yeah, that's why Matt does this to us, because the logical position – even if you were inclined to do it. So at, at tight end 12, 63 receptions on 83 targets for 529 yards and four touchdowns. Well, Jarwin had 31 on 41 for – yeah, I, I think Jarwin will be uh, above that. He'll See, as I think under is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I think he, he'll be in the 9, 10, 11 range. I'm going over. All right, his AEP is 164, being drafted as a 21st tight end off the board. Just ahead of him, Cole Komet, Ian Thomas, and O.J. Howard. Dennis, you taking any of the, or him over any of those three? I'm probably taking him over Komet. Um, at tight end 21, I've already got my tight end most likely. So uh, Jarwin over Howard is kind of a coin flip. I'd probably take Thomas over him pretty easily. Yeah, I would take him over Komet. I would probably take him over O.J. Howard just because I feel like it's such a toss-up what he's going to be. Oh, the guy who hates seeing Thomas. You won't take him over Thomas. I like it. I like it. I would take him over Komet. Howard would be a coin flip just because I think they're both going to suck. So I, I'd probably take Jarwin I think he's going to be more relevant than Howard. Uh, after him, Jared Cook, Adam Troutman, and Jace Sternberger. Are you taking any of them over Jarwin? Nope. Um, I would take Cook and Sternberger. And to be fair, I don't hate Ian Thomas. I just don't think he's going to be a top 12 tight end. I said he would be a low end tight end too. Uh, I would take Sternberger just because I was all in on him last year. I think he has a chance to be the tight end of note for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, Sternberger was tweeting and taking Percocets today. So I don't know if he's injured or what's going on. He's also yeah. a dragon ass today. Yeah, no shit. Exactly. Everybody is, you know. It's, it's the quarantine life. He'll be all right once he hits that field. Uh, that'll wrap up the NFC East first part. Uh, we will be back next Monday to do the Giants and Redskins. 
Redskins, the good old Washington Redskins. Boy, we um, ought to be having some real fantasy asset discussions when we're talking about we Washington. probably won't have Matt on the podcast since he doesn't believe in Dwayne Haskins, so you'll see me and Dennis next Monday. That'll be a whole lot of fun. Uh, speaking of Buckeyes, if you guys follow me on Twitter, you saw me posting all about it. Super excited. We will have the one and only Archie Griffin on with us Thursday, so we're excited about that. Make sure to join us. Uh, on Thursday, and we will talk to you guys again later. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Right on. Good night. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. If you got your popcorn ready. I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored Throw it up above his head. They can't jump at me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? <laughs> <laughs>